and his ministry continues to ele be elevated uh, by the Lord in the earth, and uh, God has found a faithful man to preach his word and to teach his body, and I believe it's a, it's a word that is preparing the bride of Christ for the days that are coming, and I'm excited to have Dr. R.T. Kendall with us this morning. Doctor, please come and share. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. You want this? Is this to keep you awake when I preach? You need all the help you can get. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for having me back for the third time. And uh, I'm honored. Love coming. You just want to be a blessing. And as I said last night, I, I don't know that this is my last time, but I'm going to speak to you as if it were, so that you would remember what I wanted to leave on deposit beginning last night and, and today. Now, we brought a bunch of books. Uh, we're selling them, you could say this time at below cost, because even if we sell them all, we won't get our money back. Not good business. Uh, it's okay. Um, Want to get rid of them, and um, so they're there. We'll get this right in a minute. Um, good Christmas presents. Anyway, I will be back to sign them, because that sometimes helps get rid of them. And don't forget the offer uh, at Starbucks, if you can get over there between now and next Sunday. Any Starbucks within a 30-mile radius of Roseville, you can take any signed copy of my book, go up and order, show them a signed copy. It wouldn't matter which book. And then give them $3.95, and they'll give you a cappuccino. You see, I told that joke last year. They forget. It, it works every time, doesn't it? So, you're signing that? Do they got it? Yeah. Did you know that my wife does signing? Yeah, my wife signs. I told you that before. I've told you, look, I think, I think I've probably told you everything I've got. I'm, Ron, get, let's go to the airport now. There's no need to, to say anything more. Open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. And then James chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 4. And then James chapter 1. Proverbs 4, verse 5. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. 
though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Esteem her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will set a garland of grace on your head and present you with a crown of splendor. And now from the book of James, chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. May God be pleased to bless the reading and the preaching of this, his most holy and infallible word. Brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray now for the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus by your Spirit to be upon every mind, that their perception of what I say will be received as you intend, upon my tongue that I'll be cleansed, that I might be your transparent vehicle to convey everything you want said, nothing you don't want said. And I pray that this might be a life-changing word and a word that brings great honor and glory to your name. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Many years ago, at my church in London, uh, a deaf lady actually came up to me at the end of one of the services, and I guess this is 20, 25 years ago, and asked, would I write a book on wisdom? Well, I'll certainly think about it, but I felt ill-qualified to write a book on that subject. But now uh, that I'm old, uh, I began to put some of my thoughts down, and my book uh, will be called The Greatest Gift, uh, is in the press and will come out uh, around uh, sometime 2015. And the reason it's called the greatest gift is because if you look at the gifts of the Spirit as described in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, wisdom is put first. And what surprises me that it seems to be the last gift people want. They look at them and they think, oh, healing, I'd like that one. Miracles, oh, I want that one. Discerning of spirits, oh, I want that one. Prophecy, I want that one. And they don't realize right at the beginning is the one we all need, so desperately needed in the church today. And the wonderful thing is when you ask for wisdom, you know at least once you are praying in God's will. Now, you may not have realized this, but God only hears you if you ask in his will. Now, when I say hears you, he hears everything that's going on, but it's a Hebraic understanding of the Hebrew word shamar, hear, O Israel, hear. And the word shamar means to hear so as to obey. 
you say to your child, did you hear me? Implying they didn't hear you because they're not doing what you said. Well, when shamar is used in the Hebrew, it means that you hear, but you obey. So that if the Lord hears you, he will obey your request. And so 1 John 5, 14, 15 says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And so you need to get this straight when you pray. If you want your prayer heard, you want him to answer you, you ask in his will. And I want to be sure I'm asking in his will. Now, there is an exception. In Psalm 106, verse 15, it says, He granted their request, but set leanness to their soul. That's when Israel wouldn't listen and still asked for what they knew God didn't want. And finally said, okay, you want a king? You shall have a king. That was a bad request. And so learn this. Ask for what God wants you to ask for. Because he knows what's best for us. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Uh, there are two other occasions I can think of when you can be sure you're praying in the will of God. Uh, one is uh, the Lord's Prayer. I don't know if you ever pray the Lord's Prayer. At Westminster Chapel, we said it publicly every week. I don't know whether you're all afraid of being too liturgical here, but uh, you might consider. Uh, many people don't know the Lord's Prayer, and if nothing else happens, they get to know it that way. And, and when Jesus said how to pray, he says, when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And you can be sure you're praying in God's will because Jesus said to pray that way. And I don't know if you ever thought about it, I've actually got a book on the Lord's Prayer. And I deal with every little line in detail. Everything you need, ever, is covered in the Lord's Prayer. So you could do worse than praying it every day, not in a routine, ritualistic, not, not knowing what you're saying manner, but pausing over every word. Pray it. And there's another time you can know you're praying in the will of God. That's in Romans 8, 26, 27, when you pray in the Spirit. And you don't know what you're saying. Groanings that cannot be uttered. But the Holy Spirit moves in, takes over. And even though you don't know what you're praying for, you can be sure of this, you're praying in God's will. And that's a comforting thing, is to say, Lord, I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what you're interceding, but I'll accept it. And it's a great way to pray. In any case, when you ask God for wisdom. You're praying in his will. Now, I said I'm old now and I can write this book, but I want to say something real fast. Being old is no guarantee of wisdom. Shakespeare's King Lear. The moral of that is there's no fool like an old fool. And some people, as they get old, get silly. So, age does not guarantee wisdom. It's a sign of wisdom that you choose wisdom over anything else. You see, most people opt for pleasure, money, fame, if they would really get their way. 
I had something happen last night. As I was falling, I wasn't asleep yet, but I just lay down, turned out the light, and I think it was the Lord. I won't say it was an audible voice, uh, but I, it was like I heard, what would you like to ask me? Just like that. This hadn't happened to me like this, ever. What would you like to ask me? And I got wide awake. I thought, hmm. And I thought about it. And the idea was, you only get one request. You don't get two or three, you get one. And what is it you really want? You really want. And you, when you get that kind of request, you think, well, now I want to ask for what is noble or altruistic. What would look good? What would be God-honoring? And then it came to me, but what if you really ask the Lord what you want? Even if it's, if it's selfish. And forget how it sounds. But it's what you want. The one thing. And I came up with it. I'm not going to tell you what it was. Don't ask. I almost got out of bed and wrote it down, but I thought, no, I won't forget this. And I didn't. This morning, I wrote it in my diary. It's a request I've never put before. So this is a fresh thing. I've never shared this publicly because it just happened last night. Share it in second service. Preach the same one, I guess. Uh, no, it never the two are the same. But I'll probably tell this the next service. But here's my point. God actually did that with Solomon. And said, what would you like? And Solomon asked for wisdom. And God said, good. Solomon, you know what? You could have asked for fame, long life, vengeance on your en enemies, riches, you just ask for wisdom. Guess what, Solomon? Because you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you the things you didn't ask for as well. I'm going to give you long life, riches, and I'm going to grant your request. And the principle here is, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And these other things will be added. We've been talking last evening, it's so sad, the type of thing is on TV today, Christian TV. It is, it, it, the, the angels must weep. It's all about money. And, and, and send in your request to me. By the way, send in some money with it. I might take your request more seriously. If you really want to get prayed for, that sort of thing. And people, they don't say, let me teach you how to pray. They say, I'll pray for you. It, it's sinister. The highest thing you can ask for, in, in a sense, in a sense, is for wisdom. And yet, God came to Moses and said, what would you want? Moses said, teach me your ways. So you could say, is that a higher level than wisdom? We could debate that. The point is, 
you want to ask for what pleases him. But if what you really want, you got, are you sure you could live with that? I've put this request to people. If you could ask for anything, what would you like? One person said, health. Another said, conversion of my daughter. That was, I think it was good. I asked for one said, win the lottery. Okay? People think, you see, what they want. And it's a heart-searching matter. And I went through this last night. Now, the word for wisdom is Sophia. And in ancient Greece, it belonged to the gods alone. In the ancient Hellenistic world, the idea of ordinary people having Sophia was out of the question. Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, maybe, but not ordinary people. And yet James, now, using that very word, says if anyone lack Sophia, ask God. The reason you ask God is that he holds the key. You see, wisdom is a secret. And if he gives you the secret, you've got it. He doesn't, not a thing you can do about it. We're dealing here with something that is so needed today. You listen to those in power making strategic decisions. And you think, where's the wisdom? You think, heads of corporations, those who control education, whether in the political realm or in the entertainment realm, utter lack of wisdom. And the thing is, you can be highly intelligent, intellectual, and be devoid of wisdom. Well, give me, let me give you some definitions of wisdom. I would start out with this. It's getting God's opinion. Have you ever realized that God has an opinion on everything? He's got an opinion on everything. What you should do, one hour from now, two days from now, for your life, he's got an opinion. Would you like his opinion? Ooh. He's got an opinion. Would you want it? Well, I'm telling you now, the word doxa in the Greek means glory, praise, and it actually comes from a root word that means opinion. And you can make a case, and I would, I'd like to write a book one day on the glory of God. The root of it, of his glory, is his opinion, his will. And if you can get his opinion, you are set. If you can get it. Some define wisdom as the ability to get things done. I have a definition of wisdom. It's the presence of the mind of the Holy Spirit. Now, perhaps you've heard the phrase presence of mind. 
non-Christians can have it. I have a chapter in my book on wisdom uh, on how non-Christians sometimes have presence of mind in an accident or in a uh, crisis, and they just are given. It's by common grace, God will do that. But the wisdom I'm talking about today is the presence of the mind of the Holy Spirit. If you could discern the mind of the Holy Spirit, you would know what to do. And that means that you get his opinion, but this again comes if the Holy Spirit in you is ungrieved. High marks to your pastor, he picked up on the word, the, the, the buzz word, the word, the critical word for this weekend. Ungrieved Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit comes down himself, and he's not grieved by your bitterness, anger, running ahead, running behind. You see, Jesus never, ever grieved the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit came down on Jesus, he just stayed. He said, hmm, I'm at home here. If he comes down on us and, you know, for a few minutes, fine. But then life goes on and we lose our tempers or get frustrated and angry or brush off and dove just kind of flies away. This is a metaphor. The Holy Spirit never leaves you, but you can grieve him. And so when you have the presence of the mind of the Spirit, I mean, you will be notified what to do. Now, wisdom exists on two levels. One is Holy Scripture. And so I tried last night to push home your need to have a Bible reading plan. And I hope some of you took it on board. Maybe you didn't need it. Perhaps you're already doing it. Good. If you're not doing it, you need a Bible reading plan. And before sundown today, Google one-year Bible reading plan. You'll find more than one. And just start in. And my Bible reading plan, the one I happen to use, uh, uh, today I was in uh, 2 Samuel, uh, chapter 2, Psalm 50, 1 Corinthians 13, as it happens. I just read, I just look at the date and the day, and I read it. And I can tell you, but I've read the Bible through over 40 times. And people will often come up to me and ask me to pray for them that they could have my anointing. I'll be glad to do it. And if God will wants to take all I have learned from the Bible and just pass it on to you, good. But if he doesn't, the way to get this kind of knowledge of the Bible is to read it. So that's one level. The other level is when you know the next step forward what to do. And that's the presence of the mind of the Holy Spirit. And you know what to do right now. People will come and ask the pastor, what do I do? If he's got the answer, you can say, well, this. 
Well, what if you've messed up up to now? Well, if you've messed up, then here's what to do now. How many of you have a, a GPS in your car? You know, if you, do you have the kind that, where the voice comes in and says, recalculating? So I don't know how we ever manage without GPSs. But here's the voice. Uh, go 100 yards, turn right. You don't need to know anything more. You just type in the address, push the button. You go down, go, go one mile, 100 yards, 50 yards, turn left now. Go three miles. Then you come to the place, one mile, turn right. And you watch. And you go past it. And what amazes me, the voice doesn't say, you stupid twit, I told you to turn right. No, it just says recalculating. And here's what to do now. And it's interesting to me, the voice is so calm. <laughs> I'm all upset. How could I have done this? Recalculating. You might have to go two more miles and make a U-turn. But it's the only thing you can do now. You've messed up. You have to listen. And the interesting thing is that the Holy Spirit will talk to you that way. Because he knows what to do now. Maybe you messed up yesterday. Okay, he doesn't moralize you, embarrass you. He just says, okay, here's what to do now. You may have messed up this morning, lost your temper, lost your keys, on the way to church. Boy, if you could get tape recordings out of many families on their way to church, <laughs> you're shocked. And you come in and you're supposed to say, Bless the Lord, oh my soul. How could he have done that? You know, you're not really there. Holy Spirit just says, recalculating. Here's what to do now. He doesn't moralize you. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Wisdom is having 20-20 foresight vision. We all have 20-20 hindsight vision, if only we'd done this. But... Wisdom is knowing in advance what to do and knowing you're not making a wrong decision. It's saying the right thing at the right time. In James chapter 3, he says we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep the whole body in check. You see, we say things, the wrong thing. But wisdom is saying the right thing at the right time. When you look at the third chapter of James, it's about controlling the tongue. It's a hard question. Which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Does tongue control make room for wisdom? Or is it the other way around? If you've got wisdom, you'll have tongue control. But I know this, wisdom is when you say the right thing at the right time. Now, the book of Proverbs is part of what is called wisdom literature. And 
Proverbs talks about the folly of rejecting God's wisdom. In fact, just listen to this. He says, if you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my known thoughts to you, my, my thoughts known to you. But since you rejected me when I called, no one gave heed, I stretched out my hand, you ignored all my advice, it would not accept my rebuke. He says, I will laugh at your disaster. Ooh, I will mock when calamity overtakes you. You think, oh, Lord, are you gloating because I'm in this mess? No, he's not at all. It gives you no pleasure, but it's a metaphor to explain when you go so far and reject, and now you're in a real mess, and God just says, it's too late. That's what it means by laughing. It just means he's not going to answer you. It's too late. And the thing is, this Sophia that the ancient Greeks thought that only those with the highest IQ, the gods, they thought that's who gets wisdom. And Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And what I'm talking about today, I have wonderful news for you. Anybody here can have it. Anybody. It begins with the fear of the Lord. Doesn't mean you're running scared 24 hours a day. It means you make a choice to do things God's ways. So if you choose his word, you see, Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge of what? Well, his word. His ways. See, Moses wanted to know, teach me your ways. I wonder how many here today, you've never even thought about that. You want to know his ways. In ancient Israel, God lamented that his own covenant people, you can almost hear the tear in God's voice. My people have not known my ways. They were so far removed from they didn't have a clue as to his ways. And God wants you to know his ways, his word, his ways, his word, his ways. How do you get to know anybody's ways? You spend time with them. Children spell love, T-I-M-E. What if God spells love, T-I-M-E? How many here, you know his ways? My wife knows my ways. When we watch a television program, I know what she's thinking, she knows what I'm thinking. We react much the same way, but she knows how I will react. She knows my ways. 
And the only way you get to know anybody's ways is to spend time with them. And so if you don't know God's ways, why don't you? Are you so busy? But you know what time is your favorite TV program? You know how the Detroit Tigers are doing. But do you know God's ways? Well, wisdom begins by acknowledging your sin. And I don't know how recently you've read Proverbs. Uh, But you start in it. And in the early chapters, you know, four, five, six, seven, there's a something that will be in your face almost every other word. And you might get annoyed. You know what it's about? Sexual promiscuity. Chapter 7 is warning about the adulterous woman and the folly. You can't have wisdom and indulge in sexual sin at the same time. You hear about people in high places, church, politics, falling sexually. Lack of wisdom. And when you read Proverbs, which is called, you know, wisdom literature, wise sayings by Solomon, a way forward to wisdom is to be sexually pure. And I don't know if you noticed, but in Proverbs 4 it says, though it costs you all you have, get it, wisdom, get understanding. Could it be that in this congregation today, there's someone here, I have no information, by the way, but there's someone here, you're in the middle of an affair right now, or thinking about it. Would you like to hear a word from the Lord? I heard three people give words from the Lord today. Would you like one from here? Ready? Three, two, one. Stop it! Stop it now. Break it off. give a thousand worlds to turn the clock back to this moment. And God didn't give you this because it's too late. He's saying you can stop it now. Don't go another hour. Break it off now. 
though it costs you all you have. And so wisdom begins by acknowledging your sin and then accepting God's remedy for sin. And here's the question I put to you before, and I must do it today. Do you know for sure if you were to die today, would you go to heaven, do you? And if you were to stand before God, and, and you will, and he were to ask you, he might, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Imagine that you are standing before God. And he says, why should I let you in? You've got to give an answer. There's only one, only one, only one. Give the wrong answer, you have to go someplace else. You don't want to go there? So what would you say? And be as honest as you know how. Right now, what would I say? Well, I think I would say this. In your mind, what would you say? If what comes to your mind right now is not, I would say, because Jesus died for me on the cross, if that didn't come to your mind? Did you say, well, I've been trying my best, trying to live a good life, I think, I, I think I'd get in. Is that your thinking? If it didn't cross your mind, to say I'm trusting the blood of Jesus, if it didn't cross your mind to say I'm trusting his death, if it didn't cross your mind, I would not want to be in your shoes for anything in the world. Wisdom. What if God said, by education, you get wisdom? He didn't say that. There are people here that you don't have a, a, a great education. And you say, well, if it was by education, I'm dead. But he didn't say that. What if he said by being cultured? What if you're lucky enough to be born in the hills of Kentucky? <laughs> We're cultured. Kentuckian? He didn't say by culture. What if he said by intellect? What if he said, those who have a high IQ, you think, oh, I'm dead. What if he said, by success in making money, you get wisdom? What if he said, by being well-connected, you get wisdom? I'm so glad he didn't say any of those things. He said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So all of us, it's a level ground, level playing field. Anybody here can have it? The first gift listed, it seems so unspectacular. It's the main one.
And as I said a moment ago, it's a secret. You see, you need to know the next step forward. And God knows exactly what you should do next. You say, I wish he'd tell me. Well, he can. He can, he can unlock the secret. And if he doesn't give it to you, you can't find it. <laughs> you cannot find it. You can go on Google and Google all kinds of knowledge and wisdom and all these things. There's no, you want to know what you should do? God knows. He says, I have the secret. If he gives it to you, oh, he can do it just like that. Just like that. Funny thing is, the other, it's been about a year ago, so I said the other day, time flies. About a year ago, I turned on my computer and put in, uh, put my earphones on and stuck in the plug to listen to my favorite composer. Have I ever told you who my favorite composer is? Well, it's not Matt Redman, who we sang, Bless the Lord, O My Soul. I, I know him, he's a British guy. Graham Kendrick, close friend, wrote Shine, Jesus Shine. I like him a lot. It may shock you to know that when I put on my earphones, I like to listen to Rachmaninoff, Concerto Number no. 2, Concerto Number no. 1. I'm going to go see a Rachmaninoff concert next week in Nashville. I love Rachmaninoff. And I put him on, and there was no sound. Oh dear, oh dear. Took my earphones off, make sure the battery's working. Yeah, yeah, I just these are new batteries, put it back on. Pushing all kinds of buttons. And I thought, am I guaranteed just went out? And I'm gonna have to take this to Apple, and this is gonna cost hundreds of dollars, and they won't give it back the same day you have to leave it, and I cannot be without my computer. And I kept pushing, after 10 minutes, I called my son, TR, he's been here, you know TR. He knows all about computers. I said, TR, I'm in trouble, my computer's broken down, I can't get any music. He said, is there any chance that you pushed the mute button? <laughs> I said, let me try it. There was the music, just like that. Secret. So simple. Well, I was going to take it in to have it worked on. Just push one button. That's how easy God can give you the secret. He knows. But you've got to be on good terms with him. He's a jealous God. You may not like this, but that's the way he is. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Well, how do you get it? Well, you ask for it. You ask for it. Would you really like his opinion? And you think, well, hmm. well, let me know what it is. Let me decide whether I want it. It's like you go to the doctor and you want his diagnosis and you're not sure you want it. Sometimes people who don't want to go to a doctor, they fear what he's going to say. They just don't want to know. That's not smart. And so, when you ask for wisdom, you're saying, Lord, give me the secret. Whatever the cost, I want your wisdom. Now, 
we got one little problem. Did you notice that when James says, if he asks for wisdom, he said, ask in faith and believe and not doubt, and then that just kills it for me. I think, oh, that rules out wisdom in my case, because I'm not sure I'm asking in faith. I'm hoping I am. But he you, says you've got to believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, bone and toss. And I think, well, that kills it for me, because I don't have that kind of faith. So for many, this verse kind of kills it. You're doing fine. Yes, I'll ask for wisdom, but you've got to ask in faith. What does James mean? Well, I've thought about it for years, and then it hit me one day. He doesn't say you can't have wisdom if you don't have this faith. He just says you can't expect it. You can go ahead and ask. It's like the prayer of faith. We talked about it last night. I've prayed for people to have healing, and I've had several people healed under my own laying on of hands. I can't say ever once did I have faith to say, ah, you just got healed, didn't you? There are people that have had that. I've never had it. I had a lady come up to me one day and said, uh, I want to convert. I said, what do you mean you want to convert? Well, I'm a Muslim. I want to convert to Christianity. I looked at her and I went, well, see me Sunday. I didn't know who she was. And wasn't meaning to be rude. I just thought this is going to be time consuming and, and she needs to know a lot. And so Sunday, she was first in the queue. I vaguely recognized her as having seen her around. And I asked her the question that I've asked you. Do you know for sure if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? She said, yes. If you stood before God and he were to say to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? She said, because Jesus Christ died on, my, on the cross for my sins. I said, you've been converted. You don't need to convert. You're, you're, you're there. Well, I found out a year later what led to that. She came and asked for the anointing of oil. And I anointed her with oil. And I think one other man joined it because it says, let them pray. More than one should pray. Because if two pray, you don't know for sure who prayed the prayer of faith, and one might get a big head. So <laughs> two pray. Now, I don't remember who the other person was. But if I were guessing, I don't think he felt any more than I did. Because I just, I remember praying for her. And I felt nothing, because there were two or three others. Just go down the line. She was scheduled to have an operation that Thursday for throat cancer. And they wheel her into the operating room, get her all ready, take one last x-ray, and they come back and say, is your doctor so-and-so yet? Who said that you had cancer? Well, he did. It's on the x-ray. Well, there's none there now. We're not going to operate. 
And so it made her see that the true God was the Father of Jesus Christ. The point I'm making is, wasn't my faith. So I know for a fact I've prayed for people and there wasn't anybody else but me praying for them. And they get healed. I never once knew they were healed. That encourages me about wisdom. So don't be demoralized if you ask for wisdom and you don't have perfect faith. Just ask him. But be sure you, you want it. Be sure you say, I want your opinion. Be sure you mean it. And it will be granted. It will be granted. And so this is the wonderful thing. Does anybody here need wisdom? I'm writing a book now on the theme of finishing well. It'll come out for my 80th birthday next year. The book is going to be called It Ain't Over Till It's Over. <laughs> and I got Yogi Berra's permission. Got a picture with it, put it on the back cover. I want to finish well. And those who don't, it's always from lack of wisdom. And anybody can have it. Before I close, be honest. What was your answer when about 15 minutes ago I said, if you stood before God and he were to say to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What did you say in your heart? Because you know, you know. And I said to you, if you didn't say, I'm trusting the blood of Jesus. If you didn't say, I'm trusting his death, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes for anything in the world. Well, you say, RT, I said, I, I, I've done my best. What if I said to you, that isn't good enough? Oh, that's not fair. What more can one do than do his best? Well, I'm going to tell you, you can do your best and still come short of the glory of God because we're all sinners. Doing your best will not save you. In fact, if that's your hope, it could even hurt you because you think that's what's going to get you in. It'll get you nowhere. You see, there's somebody who lived on this planet with a perfect faith. He, he was even baptized for you. That's why you don't have to be baptized to get to heaven. Jesus was baptized for you. He kept the law for you. He did it all. Thought, word, deed. And then on the cross, when he said, it's finished, means he, he did the job. He completed it. The moment you trust the blood of Jesus, all that he did is put to your credit as though you did it. Baptized for you, kept the law for you, perfect life for you, perfect faith, it's put to your credit. That's the gospel. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean 
on Jesus' name. Oh, we could keep singing, but we're running out of time. Dear friend, if you didn't say the right thing, you didn't give the right answer, I want you to pray this prayer right now. Just pray this prayer right now. You don't need to say it out loud. Just in your heart, say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I want you. I'm sorry for my sins. Wash my sins away by your blood. I welcome your Holy Spirit. As best as I know how, I give you my life. Amen. Did you pray that prayer? Did you? I think somebody prayed that prayer. Question, are you ashamed that you prayed it? Whether you're up in the balcony or down here. Are you ashamed? Why do you ask, R.T.? Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you 30 seconds from now to stand up right where you are. Oh, in front of, in front of all these people? Yep. Well, that's kind of scary. What if I'm the only one? You might be. You might be. In 15 seconds, I'm going to ask you to stand to show you're not ashamed. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. I'm not going to ask you to make a speech. Just stand to show you're not ashamed. Five, four, three, two, one. If you prayed that prayer, stand on your feet. Well done. Remain standing. Remain standing. Pastor, come here. Remain standing, all of you. I just want you to look over the crowd. No, keep standing, dear. Stand. It's okay. No, don't worry. I want you to see who they are. That's all. Now, there are two categories of people here. No, back up. <laughs> two categories of people. One, you've never done this before. This is a new prayer for you. You've never prayed it. And if this is the first time, that means you've just been born again. And to you, I say, happy birthday. Amen. Now, there's a second category here. There are people standing. You were saved before today. But you needed this clarification. And you got it, and you went for it, and you stood. You did the right thing. Either case, you're right to stand. Please be seated. I'm finished, so you just, you, since you're up here, you can just take over. All right. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Wisdom demands action, doesn't it? Demands a response. Uh, or it gets filed back in the folly drawer. It has to have a response. You've responded today. Some of you have heard the word of the Lord today as well in warnings, in things that need to change in your life. God is going to be giving you wisdom. He's going to be speaking to your hearts this week. You need to act on it so that it comes to full fruition and you act in wisdom. Amen? 
That's what we need to seek. 